0: book of psalm chapter number 95 psalm chapter 95 verse 1 we read this a minute ago before our worship rick i'm a little loud if you don't care to turn me down there i hear myself echo in just a little bit you're done thank you everybody yeah <laughs> yeah i kind of held you just a little bit then. i can keep you guys on your toes keep everybody guessing all right i trust you found it psalm chapter 95 i'm going to read verses 1 through 7 our text this morning before we go to the lord in prayer oh come let us sing to the lord let us make a joyful noise to the rock of our salvation let us come into his presence with thanksgiving let us make a joyful noise to him with songs of praise and i believe we did that this morning say amen, amen. for the lord is great as a great god and a great king above all gods in his hands are the depths of the earth the heights of the mountains are his also the sea is his for he made it and his hands formed the dry land <laughs> Excuse me. Oh come, let us worship and bow down. Let us kneel before the Lord our Maker, for he is our God, and we are his people, the people of His pasture, and the sheep of His land. And I want to really focus on that sixth verse. It says, Let us come and bow down, let us kneel before the Lord our Maker. In fact I want to title the message this morning, On our Knees We Stand. We pray with me this morning, Father, we love you today again as we cannot thank you enough. God for coming and gracing us our assembly this morning with your presence you are always faithful to your word you're faithful to your people and today god i stand before you as just a vessel i pray that not one word would be that of my own god but that every word that i might be a conduit that every word spoken might come from your heart to rest into the hearts of each person we need desperately to hear your voice today and we pray it all in jesus name everybody give me a shout of amen amen Amen. Amen. god bless you you can be seated thank you Come and let us worship and bow down. Let us kneel before the Lord, our Maker. This may seem a little odd to you this morning, but I want to talk to you about kneeling. I want to talk to you about being on our knees. And before you assume that you already know where I'm going with this uh, and tune me out, hang in there, okay? It's not just a message about getting down on your knees and praying to God. It's something far deeper than that. And uh, so, so stick with me. Kneeling is what people do when they want to humbly show their lower status to the one they're kneeling before. So if somebody kneels before their king, they, by, by kneeling they are stating, I am a lower status than my king and I am giving him honor, right? They're acknowledging that that person has power and authority over me, so I'm bringing myself to a lower state. And the psalmist is talking about us kneeling and bowing before God in which we do the same. We are acknowledging that, we, that He is the Maker and we are the maked, okay? That's not proper grammar, but you get the point. He is the creator, and we are the created. He is the potter, we are the clay, right? He is the shepherd, and we are the sheep. So by kneeling before God, when we talk about... And and first of all, I want you to understand, I, I realize that we can pray anywhere, anytime. I pray in my car going down the road, right? I pray while I'm working, I pray when I do things, but there comes a time, there comes a moment, When we really have to get a hold of God, sometimes we just got to drop to our knees. There's something within us that gives way. I don't know if you've ever been, I've been there where I come to a place I was so desperate to get a hold of God that I didn't even make the conscious decision to get on my knees. It's just as though my human strength gave way and I went to my knees to acknowledge that He is greater than I am. That I am coming and bringing me, myself humbly under the authority of Almighty God. But it goes further than just praying. Sometimes our, when we're on our knees, we should go to our knees to praise God, to worship God. Amen? Again, just stating, God, I'm humble, I'm low, and you are great. Now, I prayed as I, as I was praying for this service this morning and praying for God's direction. I was actually on a mower praying, right? So you don't have to pray on your knees, but there's a time you need to do that. But on a I'm praying around, going in circles, and I'm praying, God, I just have to know, I have to have a word from you this week. God, I, speak to me. I just have to hear your voice. I want to know what you want me to preach. I, I, every time I stand up here, I don't want to just, you know, eeny, meeny, miny, the mo, and find a sermon. I want to make sure that God's word is being spoken. And so this was my prayer. I just want to share this with you so you can see kind of where this sermon, I guess, came from. But I said, Lord, if I want to preach Whatever you would preach if you were standing before this congregation in person today. If Jesus was standing in the flesh before us, Lord, what would it be that you would preach? That's what I want to preach. And it it come to me as I'm pondering this thought that if Jesus Christ literally stood here before us visibly, He wouldn't have to say a word. Just His glory and His presence every one of us would automatically fall on our knees. And we would honor Him and we would worship Him. We would repent. As we look Him in the eyes and we would see directly into our soul, maybe some hidden sins here and there. We would confess those. We would repent of those. But we would just worship and honor Him because of who He is. Amen? The truth of the matter is, Jesus is here this morning. Not in flesh, but He's here in spirit. Position kneeling. Worship is not just necessarily a position of the body and the elevation of the body. It's a position of the heart. Amen? And our attitude towards God. Now throughout the entire Scripture, Old Testament and New Testament alike, <clears throat> this is a pattern of, of prayer and praise in which people find themselves kneeling, find themselves prostrate, or even on their face before God. I want to read a few of those. Don't turn there because I'm going to read through these quickly. But in Numbers 26, Moses and Aaron went from the presence of the assembly to the entrance of the tent of the meeting, that's where God was at, His presence, and fell on their faces, and the glory of the Lord appeared to them. You want God's glory to to appear to you? You need an answer from God for something you're going through in your life? Get on your face. Amen? Humble yourself and get on your face. Uh, Joshua 5.14, Joshua fell on his face to the earth and worshipped and said to him, What does my Lord say to his servant? God, I've got to hear a word from you. My word's not enough. My human understanding is not enough. I have to hear from you. And the only place sometimes we can hear from God is when we are absolutely flat on our face. We're not standing in our own strength and our own wisdom. 1 Kings 18, 42, Elijah went up to the top of Mount Carmel. He bowed himself down on the earth and put his face between his knees. 2 Chronicles 20, 18, then Jehoshaphat bowed his head with his face to the ground. And all Judah and the inhabitants of Jerusalem fell down before the Lord, worshiping the Lord. That's one of my favorites because that was a time when basically Jehoshaphat has a letter from the enemy stating, hey, we're going to come kick your tails putting it just, just kind of paraphrasing and Jehoshaphat literally lays it out on the altar this letter he lays it out on the altar and he gets on his knees and says God we don't have an answer for this God we don't have the strength to defeat an army like that so we have nothing to do but to get on our knees humble ourselves and trust in you because you are greater amen and God did some pretty amazing stuff by the way you want to read that story Acts chapter 9 40 but Peter put them all outside and knelt down and prayed Acts 20, 36, and when he had said all these things, he knelt down and prayed with them all. That was Paul. Paul also, in Acts 21, 5, kneeling down on the bench, we prayed and said farewell to one another. Ephesians 3 and 14, Paul says, For this reason, I bow my knees before the Father, that according to the riches of His glory, He may grant to you to be strengthened with power through His Spirit in your inner being, so that Christ may dwell in your hearts. For this reason, I bowed on my knees. It's throughout the entirety of Scripture. That's just a few. So was throughout the entirety of Scripture. He said, well, Dennis, if, if I can pray and I don't have to be on my knees to pray, God hears me everywhere, then what's really the point? The point is that God has called us all, Jesus said, to worship Him in spirit and in truth. As Jesus spoke to the woman at the well, He said a lot of people... You try to worship God here, you try to worship God there, and it's all about the building, it's all about the place. And God said, there's coming a time where people don't have to go to a certain spot to worship God because those who, the true worshipers, he called them, worship God in spirit and in truth. And we think of worship as being when we sing songs and lift our hands, clap our hands. And that's a form of worship, but that's not the definition of worship exclusively. Worship is not just singing songs. Worship is when we bring ourselves, to, literally it means to stoop low as a servant. Just like, like a dog that would lick his master's hand. Do you understand this morning, no matter, what our, no matter what our social status is, that before God we stand as dogs? Every one of us, I don't care how good we've been, our sins have separated us from God. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. And for us to recognize, Lord, I am but a dog without your grace. We stoop low and worship him to literally prostrate oneself in reverence and adoration. it is The the bowing of the heart is even more important than the bowing of the knee. I believe it's important for us. We see it in Scripture, the pattern, that we have to come to a place sometimes we can get through to God literally when we get on our knees or on our face. Because we, I mean, we're high and mighty, let's think about it, you know, especially we men, you know, we're our, I'm my own man, I stand on my own two feet. And so many times we feel like we're being less of a man if we bow before everybody or we get on our knees or even at home or for my family. Folks, you guys, I want to tell you this, one of the greatest gifts you can give to your family before they grow up and leave home is for them to see you on your knees praying. Amen. It's not about showing off. It's just about showing yourself to be humble. Amen? Everybody has, a, everybody has a problem in our society today with submitting. Everybody wants to submit to authority. People don't want to submit to the authority of teachers or to the cops. Ladies don't want to, in our, this is not very politically correct, you know, but in our PC, politically correct society, women, you know, don't want to have to submit to their husbands and husbands don't want to have to submit to their bosses and, and, and so on and so forth. There's, there's this problem with submitting an authority, And so we bring that into our relationship with God where we literally make ourselves our own God. Sometimes we would not say that, oh, I'm my own God. We wouldn't say it with our words, but with our actions and our decisions and the way we live, we're basically saying that, right? And so there's something about coming before God and and physically humbling ourselves before Him that we literally can come into His presence, right? What did Jesus say? That the man who, who lowers himself, that humbles himself, will be exalted. He who lowers himself will be exalted. God said, I will lift you up. But the opposite is true. He who exalts himself that refuses to bow, that refuses to kneel, God said, I'll bring him down. Let me tell you something. Maybe you are all probably perfect and you've never had these things happen, but to me, I've had God bring me to my knees. There's been times in my life where my knees, my legs are pretty stiff. I turned And disobeyed God at times in my life and got high and mighty and I refused to bow. Refused to do what God called me to do. Stupidest decision I ever made in my life. Because I assure you, God said, oh, you'll bow. And he brought me to my knees. I'd have rather just went to my knees in the first place. Amen. However, as painful as that was, I'm so glad that God saw fit to bring me to my knees. That He loved me enough not to just cast me off as a stiff-necked, hard-hearted man not worthy of any kind of attention, but He cared enough to break me. Amen? Because the truth of the matter is this, according to Scripture, every knee will bow and every tongue will confess that Jesus Christ is Lord at one point or the other. Either in this life or in the next. There's going to be a pretty major worship service in hell. When all those who rejected Christ realize... He really is Lord, and they will acknowledge Him then, and they will worship Him then. It will be too late, obviously, at that point. So God, now, God is looking for people who will now, when it's not popular, looking for people who will now, when everybody around us said we're just coops, He's looking for people who will now get on their knees and get on their face, worship Him and seek His face and praise Him. And God will do some great and mighty things in our life when we humble ourselves to do that. Amen? Again, it's not just about lowering the elevation of our body. It's about lowering, our, lowering our, our opinion of ourself. Put it that way. We get a pretty high opinion of ourself, and the Bible teaches us, don't think more highly of yourself than you should. Because as soon as we get to thinking pretty highly of ourselves, oh, I'm, I'm, I'm spiritual, I've got this all figured out, God will just show us how low we really are. Amen? <clears throat> Kneeling is, is important, but it's, it's just a religious posture if our heart is elevated, Right? We can all come in here and get on our knees and pray, but if our heart is elevated, then it doesn't really matter. And that's what ultimately what God is looking for. Peter, if you remember the day they came and took Jesus away, Peter stood with a sword. He stood. He, he wanted to stand and fight, right? And he took the sword and he cut the soldier's ear off, and Jesus rebuked him for that. Jesus wanted Peter not to learn how to stand and fight in the flesh with carnal weapons. He wanted him to learn how to kneel and fight, amen? That's where our fight takes place as God's people on our knees because we're not wrestling against flesh and blood, right? The weapons of our warfare are not carnal. They're not weapons we hold in our hand. We fight the spirits of darkness and wickedness in high places and we do that on our knees. Prostrate before God in worship and honor to Him. I want you to turn over to uh, 2 Chronicles chapter 5. Chapter 6, actually. 2 Chronicles chapter 6. <clears throat> let's read about a man who had as much power and authority as, in, as anybody in the world at that time if not more than anybody <clears throat> in fact the scripture says that he was the wisest man that has ever lived and will ever live that's Solomon we're going to pick up here in about the 12th verse but before let me just kind of paint a little bit of a background David was Solomon's dad, and David wanted so diligently to build a temple to God, and God wouldn't let him. God said to David, no, you're not going to build the temple, but your son Solomon will. And so David started putting all the pieces of the puzzle together, and then when Solomon became king, Solomon began to build the temple of God. And once that temple was finished, he brings in all of the vessels and all of the things necessary for the operation of the temple, and he gathers all of Israel together to dedicate that temple unto God, okay? So that being said, in chapter 6, verse 12, it says, Then Solomon stood before the altar of the Lord in the presence of all the assembly of Israel and spread out his hands. Solomon had made a bronze platform five cubits long, five cubits wide, and three cubits high, and he had set it in the court and stood on it. Then he did what? He knelt on his knees in the presence of all the assembly and spread out his hands toward heaven. Now think about this. Folks there, there comes a point and you've heard me say this about I think I said it not too long ago there comes a point where our relationship with God and what God thinks of us has to be more important than what people think of us and many times when people's opinions are what drive us and we worry about that too much it's a, it's a pride issue on our part we don't want them to think low of us or something but when when we like Solomon at least at this period of his life He stands, he's got all authority. Everybody could be bowing to him. But he realized that there was an authority higher than him. Amen? And so he, before the entire nation, got down. Can you imagine what it would be like for the President of the United States to humbly, in in, in sincerity and spirit and in truth, get down on his knees on national television and begin to cry out to God, repenting and asking God to bless the nation. That's literally what's happening here. Hands towards heaven, on his knees praying, O oh Lord God of Israel, there is no God like you. Hallelujah. Could he have said that on his feet? Sure. But on his knees he brought himself low. and God lifted him up. God honored him. Here's the thing, and I'm not going to read all of this chapter, although I would, rec- I would recommend you do. Go back and read 2 Chronicles chapter 5, 6, and 7, and you'll get the gist of everything that I'm talking about. But I'm going to kind of hit some highlights. But basically, as, as Solomon is on his knees, and he says, God, there is, there is no God like you, he begins to pray specifically to God on behalf of his people, on behalf of his nation. And I, I'm just going to kind of sift through this a little bit. But in uh, the 24th verse, basically, God says, Lord, if your people Israel are defeated by an enemy because they've sinned against you and they turn back and acknowledge your name and pray and plead with you in this house, then hear from heaven and forgive their sin Uh, he he goes later in verse 26 if the heaven is shut up and there's no rain because the people have sinned and they repent and cry out to you then Lord please hear them and and fix them if there is a famine in the land verse 28 uh, because of sin and pestilence and blithe and mildew and all of these things and enemies besiege the land Lord if the people turn back to you and repent then Lord please hear from heaven and forgive them he goes on to say even if a foreigner somebody that's not even a you, if they come to this place and they turn their heart towards you and they call out to you in this place, Lord, hear that foreigner and answer his prayer. If the people go out to battle against their enemies, whatever they do, Lord, send them pray that if they pray toward this city, God, then be with them and give them victory. In verse 36, it says, if they sin against you, for there is no one who does not sin and you are angry with them and give them to an enemy so that they are carried away captive to a land far or near." Yet if they turn their heart in the land to which they have been carried captive and repent and plead with you in the land of their captivity, saying, We have sinned and acted perversely and wickedly, if they repent with all their heart, and that's the key, and with all their soul in the land of their captivity to which they were carried captive, and pray toward their land which you gave to their fathers, then Lord, verse 39, Hear from heaven your dwelling place, their prayer and their pleas, and maintain their cause, and forgive your people who have sinned against you. Now remember, he's praying on behalf of himself and his people. He's calling out to God in desperation on his knees, with his hands lifted toward God, unashamed. Now look what happened because of this, because of this man's humility. Not only the position of his posture, but the position of his heart. If you look in chapter 7, verse 1, As soon as Solomon finished his prayer, fire came down from heaven. Hallelujah. How many of you think we need a little bit of Holy Ghost fire to come down from heaven? This was physical fire that literally fell and and consumed the sacrifice and initiated that fire within the temple. Folks, we don't need a physical flame to come from heaven, but we need the fire and the power of the Holy Ghost to come down and to empower us. You know how we get it? We fall on our face. We get on our knees and we cry out to God for it. Because of this man's humility and his worship and his prayer, his selflessness, he wasn't just praying for himself, he was praying for his people. We can't get past praying for ourselves. It's one thing. It's easy for us to fall on our knees and pray out to God when we need Him. It's a whole other thing to get on our face and pray on the behalf of other people. You want to get a hold of God, that's the way you do it. Amen? But as Solomon finished, this fire came down and consumed the burnt offering and the sacrifices, and the glory of the Lord filled the temple. And the priest could not enter the house of the Lord because the glory of the Lord filled the Lord's house. In fact, if you go back in the fifth chapter there towards the end of the chapter, it says that the priest could not stand to minister because of the cloud. As, he, as Solomon on his knees praying out to God, God literally in his presence comes and in, like a cloud, a Shekinah glory, a cloud that you could see and feel. and It filled the temple and God's presence was so strong in the temple that the That flesh could not stand up. The priests, the leaders of the church could not stand to minister and to do that. Because, you know, the priests had jobs. They had to keep showbread. They had to keep the, you know, the candles lit. They had to offer the sacrifices. And so there were things that they were always doing, walking around, and those things were important. But when the glory of God came, none of those things were as important as being on their knees and just drinking in the presence of God. They literally couldn't even stand up. There 's something about the presence of God that just buckles the flesh. It really does hallelujah well there's a lot of things that we do as christians it's important for me to preach it 's important for us to sing and worship god it 's important for us to take care of the widows it 's important for us to, to witness and do and we 're always about walking and doing and standing and operating in ministry, and that's a good thing. But there comes a time when we just need to be in the presence and in the glory of God in one place in which all of our flesh just stops. And we just drink in the presence of God. And He begins to work, and we begin to move and operate within His glory. It says, when all the people of Israel saw the fire come down and the glory of the Lord on the temple, guess what they did? They bowed down with their faces to the ground on the pavement and worshipped and gave thanks to the Lord, saying, For he is good, his steadfast love endures forever. <laughs> the king is on his face, is on his knees, the preachers are on their knees, and the people are on their knees. Think about that. From Literally from the top all the way down, people were on their knees seeking god and it worked god answered god showed up folks and it is not any different today than it was in that day god is the same yesterday today and forever and he continues to promise that when people in leadership because i I promise you this you know a church for one thing let's use a church as an example this applies to a company or a a nation or anything but but in a church setting a uh you know a church will never rise above its leadership if I'm not on my knees, then you're not going to be on your knees. How could, I require, how could I tell you you need to be on your knees before God, seeking God, if I'm not on my knees? But when, if I'm on my knees and the leadership of this church is on their knees, myself and teachers and worship leaders, and if we're on our knees seeking God, then God shows up and it just begins to trickle down. It begins to minister to every person, even down to the point where young children will feel the presence of God. Ain't none of us want to just go to church. We want to go and commune with God. And people feel it. When people say, Well, they walk, I felt the Lord when I walked through the doors. Yeah, that, that's what we're after. Because when people come in contact with God in the presence of God, it just automatically brings us to a place of contriteness and prostrateness where we literally come humble before Him. Hallelujah. So God answers Him. If you read on into the seventh chapter, <clears throat> After Solomon's on his knees, the people's on his knees, the preachers are all on their knees. Verse 11 of chapter 7. Thus Solomon finished the house of the Lord and the king's house, all that Solomon had planned to do in the house of the Lord and in his own house he successfully accomplished. Then the Lord appeared to Solomon in a night and said to him, I have heard your prayer and have chosen this place for myself as a house of sacrifice. When I shut up the heavens so that there is no rain or command the locusts to devour the land or send pestilence among my people... We all know this verse. If my people who are called by my name humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, then I will hear from heaven, I will forgive their sin, and I will heal their land. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Solomon says, God, will you hear them if they call out to you? And God says, yes. Because you humbled yourself and came on your knees, lifted your hands before me, I... I will do exactly what you're asking me to do. All it's going to take, and by the way, you read that, God didn't say, oh, well, I'm not going to bring any pestilence on them. I'm a God of love. And so I'm not going to, I'm not going to allow any kind of droughts or anything. No, God said, when I bring a drought, or when I'm like Jeff, it's not that every drought means God is punishing us, but God says there's times where I will move on nature to get people's attention. That's just biblical. I don't care what you, what you say, it just, it, it, God will do it if he has to. Not not as a mean God that's trying to punish, but as a loving God that's trying to get people's attention and draw them back. But God said, if I do something like that, Solomon, as soon as somebody turns their heart towards me, I will hear them, and I will bring them back, and I will forgive them. will heal their land. Hallelujah. I was, I, as I was pondering this message, you know, you, you get used to the pictures on your wall, and you, a lot of times you don't even think about them. You, you just, you come numb to them. But as I was preaching uh, this message, it, it, I noticed a picture on uh, Sweetie and I on our bedroom wall. We have a picture and I'd forgotten all about it. And it says this, you never stand taller than when you're on your knees. I like that. You never stand taller than when you're on your knees. Want to be a mighty man? Learn to get on your knees. Want to be a virtuous woman? Learn to be on your knees. You take a man like Daniel who, who was you know, one of the greatest men of God that God used in such a mighty way. And he stood tall. When when the world said to him, you can't worship your God anymore, he stood tall against it. He didn't go to the courts and argue his opinion and argue his doctrine. He went to his knees three times a day. He got the word, you can't pray anymore. And he went right up to his room, threw the windows open. What's he saying? "I I don't care who sees this throws his window open and he gets on his knees, literally, physically, the Bible says, got on his knees three times a day just like he had done before. If you read that, the Bible says that that Daniel was a man of impeccable character. And the reason for that is because the man prayed three times a day. Right? That's how he got that kind of a character because he he learned how to stay and abide on his knees to live in the Spirit and trust God and, and seek God all the time. Whenever... Daniel's enemies came to find some sort of fault in him. Let's let's find some trash. You know how it is? We watch the the, uh, legal, political spectrum, and they're always looking for some sort of garbage on somebody, right? Well, these guys are looking for some sort of garbage uh, on Daniel, and they couldn't find any. You know why? Because the man prayed three times a day on his knees before God. Of course, you know the whole story. God delivered him out of the lion's den, Daniel didn't wait till he got in the lion's den to decide, okay, maybe it's a good idea for me to start getting on my knees now. He was already a humble man that knew what it was to prostrate himself and then therefore God came to his rescue. I also thought about this song, I hadn't, again, hadn't thought about this in years until I was studying this message, but uh, Nicole Mullen has a, a song that says, I've learned in laughter or in pain how to survive. I get on my knees. I like that. Laughter, pain, whatever's going on in my life, the way I survive it is to be on my knees. And I'm, I'm going to close, but in uh, Malachi, God is appealing to Israel who basically were just, they were barely tipping their hat to God, right? God says, you know, you've robbed me. They say, how did we rob you? And tithes and offerings and all of that kind of stuff. But this is what God says to them. It says This is actually in Malachi chapter 1, verses 6 through 8. Says, a son honors his father, and a servant his master. If then I am a father, where is my honor? If I am a master, where is my fear? Says the Lord of hosts to you, O priests who despise my name, but you say, How have we despised your name? By offering polluted food upon my altar, but you say, How have we polluted you? By saying that the Lord's table may be despised. When you offer blind animals in sacrifice, is that not evil? And when you offer those that are lame or sick, is that not evil? Present that to your governor. Will he accept you or show you favor, says the Lord? What is God saying ultimately? We know that when God uh, established the sacrifice, when they came to sacrifice, they couldn't find the little sickly lambs that were going to die anyway and offer them as a sacrifice to God. God wanted what? The best. The perfect lamb, the best one they had is what God didn't just ask for. He required it. If you want me to accept your sacrifice, it's got to be perfect. But the people of God got lazy, got stingy, got prideful and arrogant, and started offering him all the junk. God said, I don't want it. I don't want your leftovers. How many of us at times in our life, I think we probably could all admit to this, I know I can, have just resorted to giving God our leftovers? We give all we've got to us and what we want, and we'll just give God a little bit of what's left over. And God said, I'm sorry, I'm just not, I'm not satisfied with that, God says. I want the first fruits. I want the best. And so God speaks to his people who are just literally giving God leftovers, and God says, give that to your governor. See what he thinks about it. You, would, you wouldn't give your leader that kind of respect. You, you want to you wanna honor The governor, you want to honor the president or honor the king and you really want to put on a big show for him and then me, king of kings and lord of lords, the one that literally holds every breath that you take in my hand, you want to just give me your leftovers. God said, I don't think he would accept it and I'm not going to accept it either. Amen? If uh, a leader, president of the United States, let's say, regardless of the person, but the office person... You, you wouldn't just say, oh, hey, and just keep on walking. You, you would stop, and you would face them, and you would extend a hand, and you, it's nice to meet you. You would give them honor because of the position that they hold. Yet, we have a tendency to just tip our hat to God in the way that we live at times. Can I encourage you to get very comfortable on your knees? Amen? Get very comfortable there. I, I hope and pray that by the time Jesus comes, there's not, a, there, there's not a hair on my knees. Amen? <laughs> Serious. I, I hope my knees are just as calloused as they can be. We need to get comfortable there. That's where God, that's where we meet God. Amen? Worship Him. i tell you what we're going to do. We're going to take communion this morning. I'm going to ask uh, Jeff, Dale, uh, Papa, would you come? And Matt, you guys come and. This is a good uh, time to do this i think <clears throat> part of communion folks is that it's a it's a recognizing of what jesus did for us jesus said as often as you do it do it in remembrance of me you guys go ahead and start passing it out don't wait for me to stop talking we'll be here all that.